In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. I'm glad that you're with us this morning. May I invite you to take out this handout that you have there. On the second Sunday of Pentecost, as we speak about spiritual transformation. Well, let's start with a story, shall we? My daughter is a college prof, and the other day she called me up and reported a conversation that happened between two of her colleagues. They were discussing the essence of Christianity. What is the essence of Christianity? And one professor dogmatically asserted, well, it's obvious what Christianity is. Jesus demands total loyalty from his followers. And personally, he said, I just don't want the pain. Now, the other person, a professing Christian, just stood there in silence, not quite knowing how to respond. For the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer were ringing in the years when Jesus bids a man follow him, he bids him come and die. So my daughter asked me, she said, um, Dad, what answer would you have given? Now, that's an intriguing question, and I'm glad I didn't have to answer it there on the spot. But after some reflection, I think I would say this. Jesus Christ does not demand anything of us. He came to bring us love and forgiveness. But above everything else, he came to pour the overwhelming love of God down in our hearts. Now, two weeks ago, at Pentecost, we talked about the coming of the Holy Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit into our own lives. When we are born anew, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We also receive a new nature within us. But that does not mean that the old nature is then removed. But what it does mean is that we are freed from the absolute control of that old nature over our lives. We now have at work in us two principles. There is the old nature and the new nature. There is the new person of the spirit and there is the old nature of the flesh. But friends, if we stop right there, then we are facing nothing but a cold, brutal, and painful struggle that lies ahead of us. Nothing but the high demands of Jesus Christ face us. But praise God, that is not the whole story. For with the reception of the Holy Spirit, the love of God flows down into our hearts. Have you experienced that love? This love is working to transform our will so that we want, we long to feed the new nature and to turn away from that old nature of flesh. Now this morning I speak to those who have felt that love of God in their hearts. You have tasted it. You know what I'm talking about. You've experienced the effects of it in your life. 
But if you are like me, you know how being under the influence of that love seems like such a transitory experience. You come to church, you actually sense love's transforming effects, but somehow by Tuesday afternoon or Thursday morning, it's gone somewhere. And in its place is an emptiness, a dis-ease, and yet a longing to have back that peace once again. You know that the love of God in the person of the Holy Spirit can transform you. But you sense that work is both partial and fleeting. Well, friends, as we begin this new series this morning, I have good news for us. In our spiritual rebirth, we have received a new heart. We have received a new will to grow in the new nature. God does not pour down the Holy Spirit in measure. He is here to work spiritual transformation in our lives. Well then, what is spiritual transformation? I would offer this as a definition today and for the Sundays ahead that we talk about this. Spiritual transformation is the change of the person into Christ-likeness. The change of the person into Christ-likeness. Now this involves a change in your cognitive processes so that we begin to think with a biblical worldview. It involves a transformation or change in our character so our character is marked by the ethical virtues which are found in Christ. And it also includes, praise God for the 21st century, the transformation of our emotions. Spiritual transformation affects mind, character, and heart. Spiritual transformation is vitally important. Why is that? Because spiritual transformation, the process of spiritual transformation, is the primary occupation of the middle part of our salvation. It is the primary occupation right now of your salvation. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, okay, most of us here this morning know that we were saved outside of time and space, right? Huh? Our names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life, before the foundations of the world. But we experience salvation here, now, in time and space. And we experience it as justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, in justification, God declares us righteous. He says to us, you are the righteousness of Christ. But in sanctification, by means of spiritual transformation, we're actually 
becoming righteous. We are becoming what God declares us to be. We're leaving the world of functional hypocrisy. Now, for the believer who is not involved in spiritual transformation, their life is full of inner dissonance and conflict. God says, you are holy. But they never set out on the journey of spiritual transformation. Have you ever met a Christian like that? I meet a lot of them in my business. When you meet that kind of Christian, you know it right away. They are unstable, as James says. They're of two minds. Occasionally, I've been in that place of instability and double-mindedness. And I, you know what I can tell you? It's a very, very painful place to be. Spiritual transformation, on the other hand, leads to a change in our perspective, a change in our choices, and yes, our desires and our affections. Now this brings peace and coherence. Think about that. When your desire is for God. Listen to this. When your desire is for God, you shall never fail to have your heart's desire. For God is always ready to give you all of himself. But let me add this, okay? This is what spiritual transformation is not. Spiritual transformation is not leaving your job, saying goodbye to your wife and kids, and joining Grizzly Adams out in the Rocky Mountains somewhere. In fact, a wonderful saint put it this way, sanctification consists not so much in changing our works as it does in doing what we have to do every day for God's sake rather than for our own. You ever take out the trash for God's sake? <laughs> well then, who or what brings about spiritual transformation? This is it. It's easy. Spiritual transformation is brought about by the Holy Spirit. Flesh ain't going to defeat flesh. <laughs> it is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to put to death the flesh, the old nature, and to live into the new nature. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the desire to start out on this journey. He is the one who then motivates us to keep putting one foot in front of the other as we travel the road. It's the Holy Spirit. Does that mean you and I have no part in the process? No. In fact, 
It turns out to be quite the opposite. It is the Holy Spirit who gives us the will and the desire to take the journey. In fact, on those days when you and I have no will or desire to take the journey, it is he who comes upon us saying, take it. We call out to him, Spirit of the living God, make me will to take this journey today. And he'll do it. We participate in the transformation process by placing ourselves in such a way as to be open and directed by the Holy Spirit. That's what we do in the process. We choose to use the means of grace as channels through which the Holy Spirit may do his work in us. So here's the amazing paradox. The Christian is both a mere observer and bystander in the process. But at the same time, he or she is a key actor in the process. If we do not desire and thirst after holiness, here's the bottom line, we're going to have very little of it. Yet, here is why we depend on the Holy Spirit to aid us. Because we can no more make ourselves holy than a dog can learn to recite poetry. Ain't going to happen. Well, if I've got you thoroughly confused, hang in there just a little longer. How does this process work? First of all, note that sanctification is a process of growing every Sunday. Nah, not quite. It is a process of growing daily. It's not an accident. God, in the person of the Holy Spirit, is working intentionally in your life. And you and I can intentionally work along with him, or we can kind of drift in the stream, or we can even turn against him and resist the work he's trying to do. We have to choose. But the choices may be a little different than at first you imagine. But be assured of this, to casually pass by, hear me now, to not intentionally make a choice for spiritual transformation is to choose against God transforming your life. You're either in or you're out. Now note carefully the two sides of this Single sentence. Paul's written there in Philippians 2. Philippians 2.12. Look what he says. He says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Right? You work it out. But it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. 
The Holy Spirit is at work filling our lives with desire and energy to work. But friends, it's us who is doing the working. Now, for all you dyed-in-the-wool reformers out there, hear me, hear me loudly. Paul is not talking about salvation here as salvation as justification. That is by grace, through faith, without works. But here Paul is speaking of salvation as sanctification. That also is by grace of the Holy Spirit through faith, but with works empowered by the Holy Spirit. Secondly, this morning I'd like to remind you again of our mission statement here at Holy Cross. At Holy Cross, we do all that we do to lead each person to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Somebody told me the other day, he said, Pastor, I think that's kind of a funky kind of mission statement. Yeah, I, I agree, but you get the point. At Holy Cross, we do all that we do to lead each person to a growing relationship of Jesus Christ. The desire of every person on our staff and on our worship team is that when you come to this cathedral, you will have an incredible experience. We spend hours every week so that when you come, you go, wow, hopefully God was in this place. But my goal as your pastor is much bigger than that. My goal is much bigger than simply having you leave here going, wow, it felt good at church today. For every activity that we plan, whether on Sunday or throughout the week, is some component of the means of grace. We have worship services, spiritual growth classes. Hint. Midweek fellowship, catechism, youth vacation Bible camp, home Bible studies, prayer meetings, all these things are contributing to this process. They're not just stuff we do to check the box. There are places where we come that the Holy Spirit might transform us. And all of these present choices to us, don't they? We will either choose to participate in these channels of the Holy Spirit in our life, or we'll simply just drift along, hoping that somehow the Christian life might get meaningful to us somehow. But here's the amazing thing. If we choose... We change, and as we change, we choose again, and we choose again, and we change, and the more we choose, the more we change, and the more we desire, and thus, the more we become transformed. And you know what happens? Over time, one day, you wake up, and you look in the mirror, and you go, huh, I really am a different person. To which the folks who know me say, well, it's about time. <laughs> Thirdly, note these means of grace. God, the Holy Spirit, uses the means of grace to grow us. And I've given, to you, given them to you there in the handout. Take a look at them. These 
these are the essential practices of spiritual transformation. So you might ask, well, why these? Why these things? Why don't I simply go out and sit under a banyan tree somewhere and receive special enlightenment? Why these means? Because as we practice us, they encounter us as whole persons. Spiritual transformation is about the transformation of the whole person. They operate upon our mind, giving us knowledge and discernment. They reprove, chasten, and develop our character, leading us toward ethical virtue. And they, get this, 21st century, this is, this is here too, they impact our emotions, they reorder them, they replace them, they redirect those emotions and feelings. The means of grace impact the whole person with the whole person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, these means of grace are not some human effort which are against the work of the Holy Spirit. They're not something additional to his work. They are the very instruments by which he does the work. I expect spiritual growth classes to be packed out today. Well, who then should be involved in spiritual transformation? Paul answers the question very simply. We all should be. Every child of God who is genuinely born again is called to spiritual transformation. That is your present occupation in salvation. <clears throat> Here's what God is saying to every believer, myself included, to every believer here this morning. This is what he says. He says, strive for peace with everyone. Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fail to obtain the grace of God. Now note that word, strive. You know what the problem is? The problem is, an awful lot of the time, I just don't think holiness is worth pursuing. The end point of spiritual transformation is holiness. And the end point of holiness is encountering God himself. And as horrible as it sounds, I often find it's just not worth the striving. Why? Because my affections are placed somewhere else. God is called to be our treasure. One saint put it this way. God is like an infinite ocean. Yet we are content with a little wave of feeling. Which passes in a moment. Blind as we are. We hinder God and stop the great current of his graces. 
So let's get down to the bottom line. What are we going to do about this? Here's what James says, 123. For if someone merely listens to the message and does not live it out, he is like someone who gazes at his own face in the mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes out and immediately forgets what sort of person he was. Now notice carefully, he doesn't forget who he is, but rather what sort of person he is. Well, friends, what sort of person are we? We are those sort of persons whose hearts left unattended will naturally incline away from God. So is there a cure for such a heart? Yes, there is. Look at verse 25. But the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty and fixes his attention there and does not forget, does not become a forgetful listener, but one who lives it out, he will be blessed in what he does. The word peers into here is a very colorful word in the original language. The word is paracupsis. It means to get down on your hands and knees and to investigate something. It's the word used for Peter and John as they got down on their hands and knees and peered into the tomb of the risen Christ. To begin the process of spiritual transformation requires that an effort be made. Something must be done out of the ordinary. Grown men must get down on their hands and knees and take a look. A brief passing glance at the hallway mirror just won't get the job done. Let me ask you this question. How many people here this morning in the last five years have been in a process at Holy Cross called discipleship in one way or another? Let me see your hands. You've been involved in that. Okay? That's fantastic. You know what I'm talking about. You have made a choice to begin the journey of spiritual transformation. But you also know and you've also experienced that you are not alone in this journey. God has been with you as well as other people. And you probably also have discovered this. The more you participate, the more you desire to participate. For you find that your heart is now turned toward God. So let me close with this. What is the love of God speaking to your heart this morning? Are you ready to start the journey of spiritual transformation? Are you willing to just keep on keeping on? But suppose you say to me, hey, look, I'm not sure I even want to make this effort. 
If that's the case, then let me tell you how you start your journey. You simply and earnestly pray to the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I am not sure I am willing to do this. But Lord, I'm willing to allow you to make me willing. I'm willing to learn to love you with all my heart. And if you pray that prayer this week, I guarantee it, God will show you in a dozen ways this very week how he has already set you out on the journey. May God bless us all. Amen.